0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome to Blue Mountain Village Voices. This week, we welcomed our very own Patty Kendall, Director of Events and Marketing for the Blue Mountain Village Association and my boss, If you live in this region, you've heard the name or nickname PK as the person who's curated and executed some of the most significant events and destination tourism in Ontario. From hospitality to video production, entrepreneurship to events, Patty is an extremely well-rounded and knowledgeable champion in the field of tourism. Andrew and Patty discussed the past, the present, and the future of international tourism, how it affects our region, and what our organization has done to adapt to a new normal that essentially shut down everything we're known for. But don't worry, we figured it out. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you enjoy.
2: Hi, Patty. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Blue Mountain Village Voices podcast today. Yeah, happy to be here. It's a privilege to have you and Sydney, our co-producer together today, that we're, we work together every day as a team and we get so much done every day, every week. I want to spend some time with you to just learn a little bit more about your history and to talk a little bit about all the great expertise that you bring to the village. So let's kick it off. Tell us about your career path. You know, what was your journey to becoming the leader that you are today in Destination Marketing?
0: Well, interestingly, I've always you know I started off very young working in hospitality. My first job was a salad girl at the Lobster Trap on Avenue Road. And uh, when I was thinking about coming on and talking about uh, where I've been, I ended up at a lot of destinations. I worked at Ontario Place. I worked at the CNE. I worked at the Banff Springs Hotel. I worked at the Calgary Stampede. And uh, when I was living out west and working there, so. That was my early start, and then went um, into marketing. And my first job was at a company that developed training development programs, and I was marketing coordinator there. And then moved up to or, to a place where I had, didn't expect to be, but I was. Uh, I produced all the videos for all the training videos and corporate communication videos. And then I went off and did a lot of that freelance, working in fine working with finance and and high tech and pharmaceuticals. And before moving up here.
2: Wow. And it comes full circle, doesn't it? You ended up really supporting a whole bunch of businesses and, and folks doing some of the jobs that you did when you started out. Yeah, yeah. I had a similar journey because I my first job was a they called it a kitchen technician at the KEG restaurant, but it was a dishwasher. And so I got all I got all those lessons learned working in the front lines. And I think it, it helps you to become a better like, a marketer down the track for sure. Yeah, lots of interesting destinations along there too, like the Banff Springs and and of those early jobs. What were what were some of your favorite memories from from doing them?
0: I worked for the Milk Marketing Board in in Alberta, and it was a fabulous summer job while I was going to school out there and traveled around uh, the province. It was really interesting because the campaign that the agency developed was uh, called, you know, the theme was Milk It Instead. And I went around to all the rodeos and like with real cowboys and things. And it, it, I guess that campaign looked really good on paper. But what I had to wear Milk It Instead across my chest on a t-shirt, it made for a really interesting summer.
2: Something tells me that would not be a campaign that would be deployed today. <laughs> no, I don't think so. We might circle back to that a a little (laughs) later. Tell me, what what brought you and your family to this region?
0: Well, it's kind of interesting. I've skied here all my life. I grew up uh, skiing at Alpine. When my husband and I had our own family, we um, came back up and, and introduced them to the club as well. So we were coming up here all the time in the winter, and it was in 1999, and we called it the InterWest Scare. Thought, oh goodness, if we don't buy property now... It's not going to be affordable. And if you look at it today, that would be the case. But uh, so we ended up buying a piece of property thinking we would build on it in retirement 25 years or so. And that turned into uh, shortened to six months. My husband got very excited and, and we ended up just packing up and moving up here and building a house.
2: Was that before you started working with Interwest? Yeah. Yeah. So that you found that as you were coming at that time.
0: Yeah. And then I started doing, I was still continuing to do some freelance work for the company we had in Toronto and picking up smaller jobs up here too, just getting to know the community and getting to know the business community. And I was working with a bunch of the different ski clubs and golf clubs. And then I got really tired of just sitting at home alone with my dog. So um, an opportunity came up with Playground at Interwest, and yeah, I jumped at that. And And, that And
2: what was Playground again at that time?
0: Playground was the marketing arm of the development side of InterWest. So we marketed all of the hotels as they were being built in the village.
2: Mm. See, Sydney, that explains why Patty has such intimate knowledge of all of the hotels and knows you know which ones are good for what, right?
0: I know how many units in each one. And-
2: yeah, yeah. Which Which vibe is going to work for which guest or party or influencer who comes. Yeah, for sure. You've had an interesting experience because... That was a number of years ago now, and today we are hearing that exact same experience from people who maybe buy a property here or think about retiring, start skiing, and they've made this decision to just pack it in in the city and move here. And it's interesting, that trend continues today, and I I would imagine... It's been amplified because of COVID-19, but really, it's always been happening, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. And when we, we, we did build a house and, and lived in that for a while and by the mountain, and then we actually wanted to be in a community with small kids and so moved into Thornbury. So at that time, we were in bidding wars. Like, well, I didn't think we were going to find a home. And we ended up having to rent a tiny little condo that was all that was available. And yeah, it took a long time before we could outbid to get a house um, in Thornbury. Yeah. yeah
2: so yeah again some of the some of the things we're experiencing now are are cycles that happen over time yeah i didn't know that i didn't realize that as a member of the team that worked on the development of the village and you know sort of what we see today as the village reflecting back to those early days what was the community like then above and beyond the the real estate frenzy
0: yeah well it was a ski town and i had actually you know skied up here all my life but had only been here once in the summer during that until we moved here, I had never been in, here in the summer until we moved here. So it it was a small town, it, but it still is. I, I don't think a lot has really changed for people for those of us who are, are privileged to to live and work here. It's still a small town. There's still all of that charm. You know, there may be thousands more people, thousands more homes, a lot of businesses, and but it's still a great place to live, work, and play. And great opportunities for young families moving up here.
2: Yeah, what would you say are the are the fundamentals of what what make that community great?
0: We have everything at our fingertips. We have nature, and I think we're all here for that. We, I don't think you you come here unless you want to be outdoors and experience all of that. We have all of the amenities, and and it's year round. So different from a lot of other communities. And I thrive on you know some of the chaos that comes with it, but. <laughs>
2: I think there's a few of us uh, here at the Blue Mountain Village team that that have that mindset. Wouldn't you say so, Sydney? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. It's funny. When I moved here from the city a number of years ago, one of my worries was that it might not be dynamic enough. And what I found is that while you have that small town feel, there's so many, there's a cluster of communities around us. So there's always something to do. I'm still, you know, six years in going, I still haven't gone to this hiking trail yet i still need to do that experience so there's there's a lot that we have at our fingertips you're absolutely right so if things are sort of similar are there things that stand out to you that are the impact of of all of that development and and growth over 20 year that that kind of need to be rethought right now
0: you know, Interwest had a had an incredible vision, and I remember sitting in some of those envisioning sessions in the in the early days. And I was very familiar with Tremblant and Whistler, so I think I understood where the resort was going to go. And I think, collectively, with the community and all the businesses, I think we've done a really good job to get there and fulfill that vision. Not sure if that even answered your question, but
2: no, I think it did. <laughs> so. I would agree with you. The I think the the broader vision has definitely been achieved. Uh, are there maybe things that weren't anticipated or or that as a result of that, we might need to create new visions for? So, you know, the obvious ones we talk about on this podcast often are things like attainable housing or transportation. But are there other things that you see that are, are ripe for further consideration?
0: Uh, infrastructure can always use help. You know, we, one of the biggest challenges is the, those limitations, just the roads themselves. Uh, we can always advance health care. We have a lot of retired people. Uh, so there, there's definite growth potential there. Being able to support our youth, I think, is is one of the biggest challenges we have to, you know, to, for, for me personally, to raise a family here and then, not have them have the opportunities that they want here is, is really frustrating. So I think we need to pay better attention to our, our youth. You know, we've, we, we have such a big population of, of retirees as well, that it's hard to find that balance and make sure that the young families and, and the next generation can thrive here as well.
2: That's right. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit I would say you are one of the preeminent destination marketers in the country, if not across the tourism community globally. And, and I, I, I truly believe that. I've seen I've seen your work, I've seen your process, I've seen how you think, and the stuff that you have built over the years is is really something. But I'm wondering if you can talk to us about what do you see as the fundamentals of destination marketing?
0: Well, our goal in destination marketing is to build a compelling and memorable brand. And we're in a bit of a different situation than other destination marketing organizations because we not only do the marketing, but we're also responsible for the product development that supports the brand.
2: And when you say product development, just for those who might not know, that is like events, experiences?
0: Yeah, the trails that we've built, um, but festivals, events... And connecting all of the experiences of the region, uh, so designing innovative and authentic tourism products, and those would be the products, and and developing those Im- immersive experiences. We need to always stay on top of uh, trends. And uh, collaboration is also a key part of the fundamentals of of what we do here. We need to know our visitors and and know who they are and stay connected with with our markets, and make them part of the story. You know, in uh, best practices, digital marketing now is having that user generated content as part of our stories to authenticate uh, what we do, and then using it on all the the appropriate channels. But we also can't lose sight of the future. You know, we're in a we're in a situation right now that we're all challenged with with COVID in all sorts of different ways. But the international market's going to come back and we need to be prepared for that. We need to be prepared also when our Ontario market may decide, yeah, they can travel, so they do travel. So they're here right now, but what's going to happen when they start traveling elsewhere? So a lot of challenges, but we need to think about the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's deploying today while having one eye on the on the future and and planning ahead. Not easy. How how did you find how did you find the experience of of COVID nineteen above and beyond the the the, the adjustments to day to day life? But as a marketer, you know what was the biggest what was the biggest thing that that you had to change or pivot to in thinking about marketing
0: it's a blur on all honesty. We can't remember, was that 2019? Was that 2020? What did we do? And and it was changing constantly. And the experiences had to change. And then the way we marketed them had to change. So it was uh, changes on, on all of those different levels.
2: Yeah. And I think for people who aren't in the industry of, uh, say, destination development or tourism marketing, they think people might think marketing is just create a nice ad somewhere, put it out and people will come. And what you're talking about is, it would be, (laughs) but that's not how marketing is today. So product development is about creating those experiences and then promoting them. So that every year's marketing is a, is a, is new programming as well as new messaging. So that was part of what I think we all had to do with COVID and the pandemic was change the programming and then change the messaging. And did you find it hard uh, when you you have a career of being hardwired to promote and drive visitors, mm-hmm. to suddenly be, uh, you know, in some instances, saying it's not the right time to come, or wh- what was the, what was your campaign, um, dream today, visit later? What was that like for you to sort of shift that kind of hardwiring that you have as a marketer?
0: Well, it was so hard because at the same time we're creating all these great new experiences, but oh, we can't really tell anybody. So surprise and delight when people are here and we're still in that situation. And we we were this past weekend with Guitar Trail. We changed our headliner. We always have a big headliner, but we thought we can't really tell everybody we have a big headliner. We'll have too many people here. So how can we create a really unique experience for for those, for, for smaller groups of people and be able to market it without really saying what we're doing?
2: right Well, and and you sort of flip the paradigm in a way because what you're doing is you're almost taking something that you used to market before so you have a product you used to market it to drive visitation you're still developing the product but now you're using it to remind people who are here what a great experience they're having and that's going to encourage them to visit again so it's sort of using the best of your programming in a different way it's quite smart i think it's in the culture of uh, the whole community really highlighting events i mean you really have built some of our region's most iconic cultural experiences so everything from products like apple pie trail guitar trail centurion and cycling apple harvest festival bringing salts up blue mountain agora Illumination. you know i could i could i could go on but there's been a lot of them and they've been really effective and i think where they've been really meaningful is that locals look forward to them on the calendar as well as visitors plan to be here for them. I'm wondering if you could tell us from from your perspective, what makes a, an event or a festival a great one?
0: It has to be unique and it has to be authentic and it has to be more than just the festival. It needs to be address the larger experience and elevate the, the, the full experience. Like we could do a centurion, we could do a road race and, you know, have it go in and out of a parking lot and and achieve the goals of the number of people coming for a race. But that doesn't encourage people to come back because we're not... um, we're not introducing them to the full experience so dining and culinary shopping the adventure side of everything we do so connecting all of those pieces we could do you know apple harvest festival just in the village but we don't because that's not the best experience for the consumer and the visitor so we we collaborate with other partners in the region and it's not the easy thing to do and, but none of what we do is really the easy way to do. And, and looking for those new innovations where we are able to be unique, but we have such great assets to work with. I mean, we're very privileged in that way. It makes our job a lot easier. But uh, leveraging the natural assets we have, the assets of the village that we have, and connecting all the dots to make it one big immersive experience. Have you ever thought,
2: I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundle and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at Or check out the website and become one of the great
0: podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Delve into the
1: shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. That sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery.
2: You're right. It's it's a really important part of the formula for sure. One of the points that you mentioned that I think is really important to highlight, and that's collaboration. And uh, you know, you really you really make that a part of your your formula, whether that's with different regions, whether that's with different industries, among competitors sometimes. You've really cultivated that in the region. Uh, And within BMVA, as you have been sort of bringing this leadership to the table and creating those those great products, what are some of the lessons learned that, that you have from facilitating collaboration? As you said, it's not easy for for maybe someone who's who's trying to figure out how to create a network or, or work in partnership. Any any advice lessons learned?
0: Well, I think all of those, you know we're we're approached by different people and we approach different people uh, to collaborate. It won't always work. Uh, it won't always be a good fit. But I think uh, what we are good at is we're really responsive to those opportunities and we'll spend the time and and listen and understand the needs of of everyone involved. Um, you know with collaboration comes innovation and creativity. So it's it takes a lot of patience. And it takes a lot of time, but it's really important. And and I get a lot of great satisfaction out of that as well. I mean, when I when I first started the apple pie trail, well, I guess, I don't know how many years ago now, 11, More 12, 10, 12 yeah. years ago or so, it was so fun to get to meet people in all the different industries and they're, you know, become good friends of mine today to learn from others and, and have others have the opportunity to learn from from what we do here as well.
2: In a way, it's a it's a form of inclusivity because you come up with the idea, the spark, so to speak, and then once you bring people to the table, it gets better, but and grows. You have many voices around the table, so that's always a better way to 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 grow the community, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's it's it makes my job really interesting and fun, and and collaborating with people not even just in the region, but within the province and within Canada, and then you know, uh, tour companies from around the world. You know, it's really exciting.
2: This might be a tough question for you to answer, but is there, of all the events that you've hosted over the years, is there one that stands out in your mind that you're especially proud of or you think is one of the best? I know it's like asking you to pick your favorite child. (laughs)
0: I think I've had a lot of fun with lights over the last few years. Uh, Agora was an incredibly interesting and satisfying project to work on. It was, uh, at a time when, you know, we had, we had to create different types of experiences. It was at, at the beginning of 2020. And we had a very short period of time. And this was a project that we were really able to collaborate with a lot of people and work with um, Blue Mountain and such a creative team on the Blue Mountain side from everyone from their, in their operations to, to bring that project to life and, and the marketing team. So I think that one was uh is one of my favorite projects that I've worked on, yeah.
2: It was definitely new, fresh, and I think maybe one of the the, the things for you is I think you like to be in a situation where you're charting new territory and where you're discovering and exploring. Yes. It's rewarding.
0: Sometimes I come back and think, "Wow, that was that was a bit too gutsy, you know. I should really, I should really hold back sometimes. I mean, that one particularly, where we were trying out some some new responsive lights, and and no one had really, no one had done what what we did on that trail. So it was uh also a bit frightening, but yeah, really fun to work.
2: Well, you know, you're you're not innovating if you're not taking some risks, right? Yeah. So good for you. It's it's important. One of the other things that really has stood out for me in my time in the village and in the region is how really music and local music is a big part of our DNA. So in addition to all the programming and marketing, music is kind of a core in the village. And, you know, you think of Collingwood, Meaford, Meaford Hall, you know, Marsh Street Centre in Thornbury. There's so much music all around us. What do you think sets the music scene apart here locally from other markets? Like, why is it so special here?
0: Well, I think we've all worked together to cultivate that community and working with Collingwood has, has also been a big part of that uh, with their live and original series. And just to make sure that we work hard to keep these people working hard. And there's such incredible talent in this region. And we we have music virtually every day of the year um, in some aspect. And we, I think, I don't know if I can be as bold to say, but I think we've hired more musicians than anyone else in Ontario this summer being able to do it in a creative and safe and distance way, that was a challenge unto itself. But there's just incredible talent and there, there's incredible passion. And even from audio texts to to all the different musicians and we've launched careers here you know we've uh it's been so fun for me to watch some of the young musicians take off and and have their careers we get upset when they move away but
2: (laughs) but that's okay right we're all boats float to the top right when we work together there's a i know a local artist that has been on our stage and was part of guitar trail who's recently like been flagged by an agent who was scouting locally, yeah. right? So
0: uh, one of the big agents um, was here and he reached out to me after and he said, I just found a great new artist. I don't think I can say his name yet.
2: <laughs> That's okay. It'll come. It'll come. On this podcast, we had a great session with John Ardell. We were talking about the Apple industry, and I asked him a similar question. Why is it about this region? And I think a lot of people think it's the geography. Like, okay, so apples grow here. We're near the bay, the microclimate. But it's more than the natural assets. Uh, it's also the fact that there's a sector here. There's centers of excellence. There are suppliers. There are cooperatives. So the that infrastructure has been cultivated. And I think music is a perfect example of that. You mentioned the audiovisual technology techs, the technology teams who are here, all the musicians, it's bigger than what people see at face value. And I think that's a message on our economic development side that I think we could do a better job of communicating because these are really big networks. And when you think of our region, we're not just known for great food we're not just known for great outdoor adventure. It's also music. It's also our environment. It's it's so many different things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is definitely part of our culture. And and there's some uh, phenomenal small venues in this region as well. Real gems.
2: Yeah, yeah. C- can you describe a few for those who might not be familiar?
0: Well, not as small as some, but Meaford Hall is my favorite place to be. And my I have a particular seat <laughs> that oh, really? I like on the on the balcony first row middle. Yeah, that's my place.
2: Yeah. The sound quality is so oh, great in it's there. Fabulous. Yeah. I also like the lounge, but that's a uh, that's a whole other aspect of that experience. No, I, I agree with you. And I I would also say the the new floating stage on the mill pond is, I think, one of my favorite new ven- new venues. It's still emerging in terms of what it'll be, but wow, what an experience.
0: It is, I, and I've been four or five times where I've sat on a patio, sat in different places, and watched music, and just and and see people's enjoyment of it. But the sound quality is phenomenal. I have to thank uh, Cass Audio for everything they do on the sound side of it, and the experience of being able to sit. On the water with a, a great band. We had Jim Cuddy band here last weekend, and that was just the most beautiful, magical experience that, that I had have had all summer. Uh, but have a glass of wine, uh, have something to eat, and be able to watch incredible talent, local and otherwise. It's uh, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, it, it's some of those things that we took so for granted. I think pre pandemic, and now that we we're able to do some of those things in an adaptive way, I feel it's even more meaningful. I would agree. One of the, the, I think, the benefits of all of your hard work and many others in the community is uh, that the market is is noticed beyond our borders. And there are a lot of new business concepts that are launching and coming here, a lot of entrepreneurs. We have a number of, of independently owned and operated businesses in the village, a couple of new concepts coming and will be you know more introduced soon. Which is really exciting. I think that's another part of our experience here, as those small entrepreneurs and the creative experiences. Do you have any advice for those new business operators um, how to be successful in this community and in this this market?
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to collaboration. Again, collaborate with all those around you. Uh, get to know your neighbors. Get to know what else is in your area and work with people. And then take what's already here and leverage that for your own business. So we say that to the businesses in the village all the time, you know, we'll do these great events, leverage those to drive business to your establishment. And same with, you know, a bed and breakfast. I meet with them sometimes and say, use the apple pie trail. As a way to get people to come and stay at your your bed and breakfast, mm-hmm. and they're always surprised. Oh, we can we can use that. I said absolutely. It's a product. It's a tourism asset that's there for everyone to leverage to bring people to the community.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I have a neighbor who has a bed and breakfast every season. She asks me to bring her some brochures of the programming, and I always say absolutely. I mean, you're you're going to have visitors there, whether I help we we share this information with you or not, but. The good news is, is it gives people a sense of what they can do.
0: Yeah. And people want, visitors want to know, they want that locals advice that locals know the hidden gems. So to be able to go out and discover those yourselves and then and be able to talk to your customers and and send them to different places, they'll really appreciate that.
2: Well, you were the the person who said this to me first when we talked, we were talking about the shop local movement. And it was you who said, well, shop local isn't just about the products you buy locally. It's actually the people who work in our stores and in our restaurants, because the local experience is connecting with that person who is serving you that day. They represent the community. So I think that's that was a that, was wise observation that you have shared with me. And I, I, I've never forgotten that. Thank you for that advice. I think it's it's very good. Okay. I've got some rapid fire questions for you. I can put you on the spot, but I, I'm, I'm sure you'll be okay. What is your favorite ski run on Blue Mountain?
0: Lone Rider. And I don't think a lot of people will even know where that is. It's I'm that trying to place it, it in my head. It's right, actually right across from our office on the, on the North side, but it's a skinny little run. It's a leg burner and mm-hmm. it's what, uh, what gets me warmed up in the morning.
2: There you go. There you go. Thank you. So we're going to have to try that one next uh, very soon. What is your favorite place to take Insta-worthy photos in the village and outside of the village?
0: In the village, well, by the blue sign. I mean that is the iconic shot of the pond, the buildings, and the mountain. So that is special. But also now, my, one of my more favorites is to be on a on a patio and taking pictures of the pond in the west and the Weston and the and the stage and all the artists there. And then outside of the village, from my paddleboard on the beach, on my
2: boat. <laughs> Every time I'm on my paddleboard, I put my phone in a ziploc bag and I stuff it in my life jacket, and I always take a picture. And one day I'm going to drop it. But I agree, it is it, those views. Even though we might see them every time we go out, they're always different. What is your favorite summer attraction on the mountain?
0: I love the gondola. Hiking up the mountain and coming down on the gondola is uh, is a reward, but it's also a treat, and that just the the best views. So I would say that i've been of uh, the ridge runner is such a great attraction as well um, but gondola would be my favorite go-to
2: well it blends your love of hiking and then the the experience on the way down right a little bit of work a little bit of reward okay what is your favorite neighborhood outside of the village and i'm going to say outside of Thornbury because you live there so that's that's not fair
0: well no i would have to say my own neighborhood
2: <laughs> that's good and tell us why
0: it's peaceful it's beautiful. I have wonderful places I can I can walk my dog through the woods, down by the river, downtown, down to the water. Downtown we say downtown Thornbury. Mm. People laugh at us for that. But but yeah, no, I love Thornbury.
2: One of the things that you really took leadership on with some of our colleagues and members and that is around sort of looking at diversity and inclusion and what that means for our destination. So I know your team many years ago brought the Rainbow Ski Weekend here. I know you worked very hard on our indigenous festivals over the years, working on our um, land acknowledgment, etc. I'm wondering if you if you just want to share a little bit with us on why you think the oh, I should also add uh, Martin Luther King Ski Weekend these are initiatives that you've you've worked on for many years making sure that we're acknowledging those needs and programming for them and i'm just wondering if you could share with us a little bit on on why you think that's important and how others should think about doing the same
0: everyone in our community is very important and there's some great stories to tell and there are some great collaboration points you know we we are recognized as a destination location but we're also a community onto ourselves. Yeah, we are. We are a community uh, onto ourselves, and we've got an incredible uh, diversity, growing diversity in this community. And to be to recognize that, plus it's great cultural content for us. But to be respectful in in that regard, and to be able to deliver content in a in a respectable way, can be a challenge, but really rewarding at the same time.
2: And for those who might might not know where to start or, you know, do, any advice on, on where, like, how did you get, when you first started thinking about, I want to write a respectful land acknowledgement or I want to recognize National Emancipation Day, did you seek out partners to help get the right advice or?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is, you have to work within the, in each of those communities. Can't do this on our own. We shouldn't do this on our own. Right. We're not, we're not qualified to do this yeah. on our own. So it and that part of it is very rewarding as well. Getting to know the stories, like if just talking about National Emancipation Day, I was able to work with so many interesting people on that. And uh, if you haven't been to the Sheffield um, Black History Museum in Clarksburg, it's definitely a must-go destination. So it's um, we we need to collaborate more with diversity within our community, as well as be able to bring really wonderful events to the village for our visitors salsa was one of one of the first ones uh which was um a way to to have an amazing event still one of my favorite events and hopefully we can bring that back again next june but to also engage with the uh, latino community uh, a community that hadn't been coming to blue mountain and gain their loyalty and and trust and have them come back at different times of the year after that
2: right yeah well well said and and i think what you what you remind us of is that integrating what's right for the community and being inclusive is also something that can shape cultural content experiences for everyone and uh businesses and community groups can get involved so everyone wins which is which is a real which is a real positive outcome well i want to thank you for sitting with us and and joining sydney and i for for this podcast I really meant when I said that you are one of the leaders across the country in destination marketing. You do push us to be innovative, collaborative, take chances, take risks, and push the boundaries to deliver for our community, our guests. And I want to thank you for that. And thanks for sharing your insights today.
0: Oh, thanks very much. Love working with you
1: guys. Thanks for listening to Blue Mountain Village Voices, a production of the Blue Mountain Village Association. For more, go to bluemountainvillage.ca. A
0: production of the Sound Off Media Company.
1: Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you.